Hello and welcome to this edition of the Ian Abernethy podcast. You can watch videos and listen to other podcast episodes by visiting www.ianabernethy.com. So, without further ado, here's Ian Abernethy. Hello everybody, uh, I'm Ian Abernethy and welcome to the latest edition of the ianabernethy.com podcast. Um, just a couple of quick things to update you on to begin with. Uh, the first is Jison Magazine, the free online practical martial arts magazine. Uh, we're on uh, well on the way with the sixth issue now, so it won't be much longer until that's available. If you pop along to Jison Mag, J-I-S-S-E-N-M-A-G uh, dot com, if you haven't already subscribed to that, and we'll uh, we'll send you an email as soon as it's ready for uh, download. A little bit behind on that one just because of how busy I've been with other things at the minute, but it shan't be much longer until it's ready. Main reason been busy, of course, is with the new DVDs we've done on the two-person drills for the Pinan or Hian series. Uh, massive thanks to everyone who's bought those. That they they have been beyond all shadow of a doubt our most popular selling DVDs. Uh, never had a launch like that. We you know we're really kind of taken aback by the support, which is which is great. You know, it takes a lot of. Um, uh, money to produce these things and it, it's good to know that you know we are going to make the, the money back off those so thanks uh, to everyone for uh, for purchasing them and, and your kind words and obviously the finance from those kind of things it's what goes to um, enable us to produce the free magazine and the free podcasts and all that kind of stuff so thank you to everyone for that uh, speaking of uh, kind of a filming project uh, this month um, earlier this month a few days ago I filmed a set of downloads with my good friend and training partner, uh, Steve uh, Williams. Um, if you don't know Steve, um, you, you soon will. He's one of the best kept secrets in the martial arts. In all my years of training, he's incredibly powerful. Um, beautiful technique he's got as well. I mean, I mean, unbelievably powerful. I mean, the guy breaks ribs through kick shields and... Oh God, holding the forksmiths for him is an absolute pain. Your hands are in agony. He gets your biceps and your bones. You know, he's a very talented guy. So we wanted to do some um, uh, downloads. We're going to do these as exclusively as downloads that um, on various training drills that we use for all aspects of our martial arts training that apply to you know the practical side of things, the self-defense side of things, the traditional side of things, and there's even kind of some um, you know ring craft elements in there as well. So um, um, so we're doing that under the name of Extreme Impact on the grounds that the training is extremely impactive on the body. Um, you'll know when you've done these drills and also the, the level of impact that we, uh, you know, we, we show in terms of uh, striking power and stuff. So just keep an eye out on the newsletters for them uh, so you look forward to those. Talking to downloads, because we're making the existing DVDs we have uh, available as downloads as well, because again, they're proving uh, quite popular. Um, takes uh, quite a bit of work to get them converted over. So it's been a bit of a slow process. Um, but we are getting there with them. I think most of them are up on the site now as downloads. And we recently added the seminar series, which are double downloads. is the two discs uh, on the original uh, DVD. So you buy that one, there's two kind of files to download. And we've added uh, Bunkai Jitsu 1 has recently been added as well. So we'll add the remaining four volumes of that series um, as we go. So, um, yeah, thanks to everyone for your, your, your support of those. and patience while we get them up there and I think the final bit of news I've got for you is in regards to SATMA the Society of Applied Traditional Martial Arts regular listeners to the podcast will know we've been setting up uh, SATMA for, for a little while now we've got uh, well over a thousand people registered their interest which is you know it's 
Um, I can't remember the exact figure now, but it's you know, it's, it's it's a big big numbers. Um, and and again, we're getting all that uh, ready for you. We had hoped to have it up and up and uh, running by now. We're a little bit behind on a few things, um, but those that um, obviously have registered their interest have uh, been receiving uh, regular updates. So you can find more details on that on the site. Right, so I think that's um, all I need to tell you since uh, last time we met up, and uh, this uh, month we're going to discuss uh, what is kata. So it's kind of my own personal view of what kata is, and a little bit of uh, of what it is, uh, what it is not. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this month's podcast, and thanks once again for uh, for listening in. There are many different views on what kata is. Kata is said to be the soul of karate, a repository of forgotten secrets, a form of moving meditation, a map of the combative landscape, a pointless dance, an archaic relic that should be abandoned. Uh, now to my way of thinking, kata can be all of those things, and all those views can have merit. Essentially it comes down to what is meant by kata, and the background of the individual martial artist and their personal experience of kata. So in this podcast, I'd like to explore what Karate Kata is to me, and why I view it in the way that I do. Um, to clearly identify what Kata is, we also need to identify what Kata is not. Now, for me, I don't see Kata as being an alternative to live practice. Uh, the main reason I hold that view is Kata is obviously a very poor substitute for sparring, because it does not involve a free-flowing exchange between the Karateka and an opponent or opponents. Um, another reason I don't view kata as being an alternative to live practice is because none of the old masters said it was. Uh, the writings from the, the past clearly point to a link between kata and kumite, uh, sparring, but at no point do they suggest that they're, uh, they're interchangeable. Uh, Utsuka, in his Wadaru Karate book, he wrote, Martial arts progress from kata to kumite to combat. In his 1926 book, Rukyu Karate Kempo, uh, Motobu wrote, Kumite is an actual fight using many basic styles of kata to grapple with the opponent. Uh, Gichin Funakoshi, in Karate Do Kyohan, he wrote, uh, Sparring does not exist apart from the kata, but for the practice of the kata. Uh, Choji Miyagi, uh, in his outline of Karate Do, he wrote, uh, Through sparring practice, the practical meaning of kata becomes apparent. I mean, there are plenty of other examples aside from the ones I've just mentioned, but what we can see from those is that there was a view that kata and kumite are linked. Um, the exact nature of that link, you know, we'll discuss later, but there was a view that they were linked, you know, there was a relationship between the two. Uh, what we don't see is the view that kata and sparring are the equivalent of one another, nor do we see the other extreme that kata has no link to sparring. So if kata does have a link to kumite, what's the nature of that link? And I think to answer that question, we need to look at how kata came to uh, into existence in the first place. Now, as I see it, kata were predominantly created to record fighting methods of uh, a given individual. So, if we look at Kishanku kata, uh, called Kankudai in Shotokan, um, history tells us that there was a Chinese official who went by the title of Kishanku, and that one of his students was a gentleman called Tode Sakagawa. Uh, Kishanku is said to have uh, come to Okinawa in the 1750s, and whilst there he gave a demonstration of his fighting methods. Um, according to one eyewitness, uh, the captain of a ship who ran ashore on Okinawa and hence was interviewed by the authorities, um, he said uh, Kishanku was a small man and that his methods included placing one hand on the opponent while striking with the other hand. Um, 
effective way of fighting, you know, using one hand to find, uh, to locate the head in the chaos of combat and then strike the opponent. And we're also told that Kashanku made effective uh, um, use of piercing leg movements. Uh, so Tori Sakagawa became a student of Kashanku, and it is he who is credited with creating the kata of the same name. Uh, Kashanku kata therefore exists to record the fighting system of Kashanku the man. Having created the kata, it was no doubt used by Sakagawa to rehearse and reinforce Kashanku's teachings uh, when he was training on his own. Uh, now the fact that Sakagawa taught the kata to others shows that the kata was also to be used as a method to communicate these teachings to subsequent generations. Um, so it wasn't just used for his own practice, otherwise, you know, he wouldn't have bothered teaching it to others. Now, I mean, common sense would tell you it would not be possible to record every single one of Kashanku's techniques. However, it would be possible to record techniques that illustrate the key principles of Kashanku's teachings. Through the practice of these techniques, the students could identify these key principles and then practice a whole host of methods that express those principles, whether or not these specific techniques were in the examples uh, recorded within the kata. Now, the idea that kata is predominantly uh, a record of uh, principles as opposed to techniques is expressed in the writings of a number of the past masters. Uh, Gichin Funakoshi's 18th precept of karate was, karate must always be formed exactly, uh, combat is another matter. In Genwa Nakasone's explanation of that precept, which Funakoshi himself endorsed, um, he states, uh, in actual combat it will not do to be shackled by the rituals of kata. Instead, the practitioner should transcend kata, moving freely according to the opponent's strengths and weaknesses. Amadzuka, founder of Wadaru, uh, wrote in the book of the same name, It is obvious that this kata must be trained and practiced sufficiently, but one must, not be, um, one must not be stuck within them. One must withdraw from the kata to produce forms with no limits, or else it becomes useless. It's important to alter the form of the trained kata without hesitation to produce countless other forms of training. Essentially, it is a habit created over long periods of training, and because it is a habit, it will come to life with no hesitation by the subconscious mind. So that quote's on page 19 and 20 of, uh, of Wadaru Karate. Uh, Kenwa Mabuni, founder of Shitoru, in 1934, um, in his um, How to Perform Kata Correctly, he wrote, it's, it's impossible to create two-person drills containing all the techniques and their variations. However, if one practices kata correctly, it will serve as a foundation for performing any of the large number of variations that may be needed. Um, there's a good, really good uh, full English translation of that um, um, online as well. So, you know, so if you want to read the entirety of, uh, uh, of that, if you do a uh, Google search for uh, Mark Tankonich, uh, T-A-N-K-O-S-I-C-H, uh, Kenwa Mabuni uh, Karate Kenkyu, K-E-N-K-Y-U, and you'll find Mark's translation online. It's you know, very, very good. Um, so anyway, from the above, what we can see is that kata was viewed uh, as something to be transcended. It was not about specific examples, but about the principles exhibited and communicated by those specific examples. Um, if we take a line from the martial arts classic Enter the Dragon, uh, Bruce Lee says, you know, he says, it's like a finger pointing at the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. Um, and so it is with kata. If we concentrate too much on the example, we miss the principle that that example is supposed to communicate. Uh, we've seen how uh, the old masters said that Kata and Kumite were, were related. Uh, we've also seen that Kata were created to encompass techniques um, that uh, express the key principles of the given fighting system. Now, I would like to return to the nature of the link between uh, Kata and Kumite. Now, as, as regular listeners to the podcast will know, I mean, an analogy that I think is, is a good analogy between Kata and Kumite is that of recipes and cooking. Uh, a recipe is a set of instructions that allows the chef to cook good food. 
and kata is a set of instructions that allows a practitioner to explore a given set of combative concepts. Now, owning a recipe book doesn't make you a chef in the same way that knowing kata doesn't make you a martial artist. A chef needs to cook and the martial artist needs to fight. Now, saying that kata is a substitute to kumite is a bit like saying we should eat recipe books. You know, it, it just, it's not right. The chef takes the recipes into the kitchen and cooks in line with those recipes. Likewise, the karateka needs to take the principles of kata into sparring. Um, and kata is a record of the principles to be given free reign in our sparring, in our, in our two-person training. So for me, I think in light of all this, I think, you know, I can posit an answer of what is karate kata. In light of all that we've discussed, I think karate kata could be defined as this. Karate kata is a physical solo template consisting of combative motions created to record the key principles of a given fighting system so that those principles can be passed on to subsequent generations. Kata will also provide a supplementary form of solo practice. So I'll just kind of recap that. So... A, a kata is a physical solo template consisting of combative motions created to record the key principles of a given fighting system so that those principles can be passed on to subsequent generations. And its secondary function, if you like, is to, to provide a method of supplementary solo training. Um, so based on the writings of the past masters and you know, what I know of karate's history and my own reasoning, that's what kata is to me. Uh, as discussed previously, it can be other things too. However, first and foremost, kata is a record of combative principles. Not so much techniques, but principles. Uh, to effectively make use of those combative principles, we need to move beyond the solo form to practice the techniques with a partner in a realistic fashion. So that we can internalise the underlying concepts and then freely express those concepts in sparring and in combat. Now, we've talked about this process a little bit more in other podcasts, and it's obviously a subject I'll return to in future podcasts as well. Um, you know, and we'll also we will like to explore the secondary aspects of kata as, as well. You know, this kata has positives and pitfalls. That's not its only function. This, I think, is its main function. Um, you know, I mean, it will improve muscle control. It does give you a kind of ability to be in the moment. Um, uh, there's, so there are other benefits to kata, but I think primary, first and foremost, you know, um, its its job is to record these combative principles. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed this quick little explanation of what um, uh, Karate Kata is. And regardless of whether you agree with me or not, I hope the, uh, the podcast has provided some uh, food for thought. Um, so just again, a quick recap. You know, what we should do with the Kata is, Kata is the recipe book. We have the, 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 um, the, the solo form. We then practice the techniques within that solo form with a partner. So this isn't Oizuki's from 10 feet. This is realistic, practical bunkai, uh, close range with a partner. As we practice that, we'll become aware of the combative principles and we can fight uh, and train in line with those combative principles such that we can adapt and vary the motion relevant to the situation at hand and our own strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and then we express these principles freely in, in live, uh, live training and live combat. So again, it's the old four-stage model. We learn the kata, we learn the bunkai, we identify the underlying principles so we can adapt and vary and then we gain live experience of, uh, of putting all that into practice. So that brings this month's podcast almost to a close. Next month we're going to be back. It's kind of like a, a state of the nation thing really is what I want to do next month. Just where I think um, karate is and um, some of the 
things that we kind of uh, are doing well at the minute and some of the things we're not doing so well. So maybe a little bit controversial next month, maybe. We'll see. I suppose it depends how everyone responds to it. But yeah, so we'll be back with another podcast again next month. Uh, just keep an eye on the uh, the blog of ianabernethy.com for the, the podcast. Um, and we're also going to add a few more little uh, video clips up there as well. been doing that a little bit more recently and, and people seem to, to really like those as well. So if you're an iTube subscriber, also make sure you just pop along to the site every now and again so you can get to see the, the video clips and other such stuff. So, yep, thank you very much for, for listening in. I, I really do appreciate um, the support that people have uh, shown these podcasts. I mean, you know, we're well on our way to, you know, 100,000 downloads, which just blows my mind, you know, that people are kind of that interested. <laughs> but I'm glad that you are, you know what I mean? So thank you. Uh, thank you very much for uh, for listening in. Um, any, any, as always, you know, I'd really like to get your feedback um, at Ian, I-A-I-N, at Ian, I-A-I-N again, uh, abernethy.com, so Ian at ianabernethy.com. Um, yeah, if you want to drop me a line, let me know what you think, let me know what you'd like to hear more of and uh, or less of, you know, all your feedback's uh, greatly appreciated and um, thank you once again for listening to the podcast. Um, have a good month and I'll be back uh, to talk to you soon. Okay, thanks now. Bye-bye.